Thanks, Seth. I remember those, and I would blow into those so hard that I would get lightheaded. I don't, I, I don't know if that happened to you. I know that if I were up here and I was doing that, I'd probably like, pass <laughs> out. I just, I love those. I don't even know what you call that whistle, but it's, it, those are so fun. Um, <laughs> thanks, Seth. All right, well, would you please, uh, would you please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6? And as you're turning in your Bibles, I can kind of catch us up on where we are in the, in the book of Matthew. In particular, we're in the Sermon on the Mount that covers chapters 5, 6, and 7. So we're right in the middle. So we're in the portion on the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus' teaching changes topics. So we started with the Beatitudes, the general description of a disciple of Christ. Then Jesus went into the particulars of the life of a disciple, um, in particular with their relationship to God's law, to the, to the word. Last Sunday, in fact, we finished the six antitheses uh, Jesus teaches us, where he begins each teaching with, you have heard that it was said, giving us specific examples and illustrations of the life of a disciple in relationship to his law, to God's law. So again and again, we're taught that obedience is a matter of the heart or the spirit. Now, in chapter 6, Jesus turns a corner and starts teaching on the life of the disciple in relationship to God himself. We'll find that in this chapter, it's all about the disciple living his life in the presence of God. So I'm going to read to you from verses 1 through 6. So read with me. This is the word of God. Beware. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room Shut the door. Pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you, God, for your word. And we thank you now for your Holy Spirit. And we ask for his help. As we hear from your word, as we look at your word, Father, would you bring sweet conviction? 
would you bring that conviction that, that brings hope for change? Father, would you remind us of the truths we need? And I pray, Father, that it would be you speaking to us, not me. Um, Father, if it's anything of mine, would you let everyone forget it, but let your words be remembered. And would you change us? Change us from within. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Martin Lloyd-Jones said of this text, one of the essential and most obvious things about a Christian is that he is a man who lives always realizing he is in the presence of God. The world does not live in this way. That is the big difference between the Christian and the non-Christian. The Christian is a man whose every action should be performed in the light of this intimate relationship to God. Christians live their lives completely different than the world because they have the reassurance, the comfort, that healthy fear of their heavenly Father always being with them. It's a life-altering reality. It's easy to say, and it, it, it comes off our lips without us even thinking, that I have a relationship with God. It's a relationship. Christianity is a relationship with God. It's just another thing altogether to actually live in light of this fact. The fact that he is truly with us always, sees us always, and knows our most intimate thoughts and our most intimate desires. And it's no wonder that Paul considered unbelievers to be without hope, without God in this world prior to God awakening their souls to his grace, his forgiveness, his eternal life. They, the unbelievers, they, they have no experience being known by God and being a true child of his, to know him as their heavenly father. You see, our, our passage today is about the disciple of Christ in the kingdom of God, performing his religious duties in light of their relationship with God. So today we're looking at helping the needy and we're looking at prayer in the presence of the Father. We'll continue to take a closer look at prayer um, in future um, passages or future messages. And then in verses 16 through 18, Jesus talks about fasting or basically self-denial in the presence of the Father. It's one passage, one, verses 1 through 18 in particular, that Jesus is driving home a point. We're living out our lives in presence of God. And he starts this passage, he starts this teaching uh, with verse 1 here, it's like an introductory warning. He starts out with the theme of his teaching, the principle, uh, if you will, before giving three illustrations. Those illustrations of almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. So let me reread verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. 
Here's the principle. I mean, the principle basically is be careful who you live for. Or to put it in a question form, who are you living for? Why do you do what you do? And Jesus is telling us that our actions aren't enough. Our hearts need to be in it as well. When we do a good deed for someone else, do we do it for the recognition of others or for the Lord? All right, let's face it. We like to be congratulated. We like the attention of others, right? I mean, we like it when people appreciate us. We like even to be applauded. We feel recognized. We feel seen. We feel that our work matters. People notice me. But Jesus is warning us here. He starts with that word, beware. He's saying, take notice. Watch yourself. We think we might be doing well in our service to the Lord, being sacrificing, and we think we might be even doing it in secret, but the rubber meets the road when we've been serving and we haven't been recognized or even thanked, even once. So the question is, how do you react when that happens? And we know in Romans 12, verse 10, it says, love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor, right? We ought to show gratitude. We ought to show honor to the people who serve around us. However, when we serve, do we twist it and let that become our expectation? Do we expect to be honored? Maybe at least a little bit of recognition. And then what happens when that expectation is not met? Let's get a little bit more uh, personal. How, have you served your family and not been thanked? I'm sure, there are plenty of moms who can nod their heads. Have you put in extra hours at work, missing out on family time and not even been recognized? Have you served here at church without even getting noticed? And what has been your reaction? Jesus is telling us here that we must be careful to understand our own motives. Acts of obedience in themselves are not enough. Jesus cares about why we do what we do. Jesus warns us that if we act in obedience, if we do what we're commanded by God, if we give to the poor, if we pray earnestly, if we even fast regularly, but do it for the wrong reasons, we're in for a rude awakening. He says you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. This is a searching chapter. This is a soul-searching chapter. It's a painful chapter to sit under, actually. Lloyd-Jones says there is no chapter which is more calculated to promote self-humbling and humiliation than this particular one. We've often heard that the word of God is likened to a mirror, right? So like in James chapter 1, when we hold up the mirror of this passage to ourselves, 
What do we see? Do we see a hypocrite? Craving the attention, the praise of others. Do we see someone only concerned with pleasing their heavenly father? Disciples of Christ, of all people, can have the courage to look in this mirror and not be afraid. As Jesus reminds us throughout the whole chapter, chapter 6, God, our Father, who always sees us, even in secret, he knows us intimately. He loves us. He forgives our sins, and he gives us his empowering grace to live according to his word. He is a gracious Father. We have no fear. So the question for today's message is your service, is it public service or is it secret service? So those are my two points today, public service and secret service. So talking about public service first, let's, let's address the obvious here. We're, are, we, are we to practice our righteousness in front of others or are we not? I mean, Jesus says earlier in chapter 5, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Now, he's telling us to lock ourselves in a closet when we pray and give alms to the poor so secretly that our left hand doesn't even know what our right hand is doing. And that we are never to let on if we are fasting or denying ourselves. So which is it? I mean, what much of what we do in Jesus' name is done in public. What we're doing right now at this very moment is in public. We're practicing our righteousness in front of others. We're singing with loud voices. We're raising our hands to our Lord and Savior, giving our tithes and our offerings, praying together for one another. We're listening with rapt attention to the message, right? Right? So let's, let's just make sure we understand what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying that all forms of public religious observance are wrong and preclude any reward from the Father in heaven. Jesus himself performed much of his ministry in public for the express purpose of others seeing him. He prayed out loud so others could hear him right before he raised Lazarus from the dead. He almost always healed people in public. His, his ministry was very public ministry. So he's definitely not saying that we should perform all of our religious duties in private, no matter what. He's condemning public service with a wrong motive. See that Jesus teaches us that the motive for public service for someone, or for some, is to be seen by others. That's the motive. More specifically, when someone does a good deed, uh, like giving to the poor or like prayer, only to be seen and praised by other people, then that's, they make an effort to get recognized. Hey, hey, help, help me out for a second. Um, okay, I need you to go over there. Like, if you could go over where the people are, okay, then just... Watch for me. I'm gonna go over. I'm gonna go over to the tithe box, okay? And I, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop this this envelope in there. When I do, if you could just like, maybe you could just like, 
you know what, I've got a whistle. Let me give you this whistle. If you could just let people know, just, you know, say, oh, do you see Jake? Do you see how much he just put in? But, no, no, okay, it's empty. It's an empty envelope, but, but just tell, <laughs> tell them, just say something like, did you see how much he just put in that tide box? Man, what a, what a great guy. Just say something like that, you know, like, do you need a, I have an air horn. Do you need that instead? You know, so, why would someone do that, right? Why would someone put on a show for the praise of others? I think Jesus is using a caricature here to drive home a point. Proverbs 29, verse 25 tells us, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Okay, how is the behavior Jesus is condemning related to the fear of man? He's describing someone who's brazen, ostentatious. They're flaunting their religious performance for all to see. I mean, that's hardly the picture of someone in the grips of fear, right? Actually, no. No, actually, whenever we prize and cherish the opinions of man instead of God, we're succumbing to the fear of man. We're afraid that others might think ill of us. They might reject us or if, if they truly know who we are. So, in this case, we're going to go on the offensive. We're going to seek to win their praise. Instead, we put on a show. We act contrary to our true nature. We become hypocrites. Let's say it as it is. We are glory seekers. We desperately want others to think well of us. No, that's true in my heart, in my life. The end goal of the fear of man is the same of any other sin that's rooted in pride. It's our own glory that we might be worshipped. So if I give to the poor and make sure others know about it, hey, in my mind, it's a win-win. You see, we tend to sneak our pride into even our acts of worship. That's our motive that Jesus is showing us in public service. The results, then, of that, of practicing our righteousness before other people, is glory. That's the result, glory, but it's glory for yourself. So when our motive for our good deeds, for our praying, and for our fasting is for others to see us, what we're doing is we're actually diverting their attention from its rightful place. The attention of others is directed to us rather than to God. Jesus uses that word hypocrite. It's a, a transliteration of an actual, it's a Greek word, hypocrite. Um, it's described at the, uh, those who do good deeds for others for the purpose of others' attention. So he's saying they are performers or play actors. You see that word in Jesus' day actually had a different connotation. A hypocrite was someone in a Greek play who performed different parts during the play. And when they switched the different parts or the different characters, they would switch their masks. They didn't wear makeup so much as they just had different masks to show who they were at that moment. And so he, Jesus here is equating someone who practices their righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them as mere play actors. You're, sm you're switching your mask 
for the occasion. There's an implicit charge in that statement that you are masking your true self. Hypocrites put on a good show, but truly they are something different on the inside. So for our public service, there's the motive that we're warned against. There's the results that we don't want, well, Jesus doesn't want, and then there's the reward. Anytime we practice our righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, we get that reward that we are seeking. The reward is, well, their praise. And that's it. <laughs> that's only sometimes. Not all the time. People can sometimes see through, more many times, see through a hypocrite. Well, it's, it's kind of like Jesus saying here, oh, I hope you like the reward you get, because that's all you're getting. So here's the warning. Just remember that the praise of man, fleeting, it's empty, it's temporary, it has no real or lasting worth. The hypocrite gets what he deserves. His heart is not to please the Lord, so he won't get any recognition from the Lord. So he's stuck with worthless praises of men. Now Jesus contrasts the public service, the public servant to secret service. Secret service, my second point here. And what is the motive Jesus is teaching us for secret service? Jesus tells us that the motive for our actions is what's pivotal. Instead of a fear of man, we ought to fear God and obey him. Now, I'm, I'm talking about a revel, reverential fear, an awe of the Lord. Our motive for giving and our prayers ought to be to please the Lord, our Father. Jesus tells us the right way to practice our righteousness. We're to be secretive in relationship to other people. Don't call attention to yourself to when you do a good deed. Just do it. He says when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Or when you pray, go into your room, shut the door. Pray to your Father who is in secret. Have no regard for others' attention. You're seeking the audience one, one who sees, one who cares, one who gives true rewards. So I, I, I think we all can agree, we can do that. We can make our service to the Lord secret. We can do it actually rather easily. You can give through your phone, right? I mean, we can give so easily now, and no one needs to know. It's actually pretty easy to, to give in secret. I don't have to call attention to myself. Basically, um, it's easy to, to avoid being that caricature that Jesus paints, the man who trumpets out loud, or the man who prays to make sure everyone hears or sees him. But Jesus tells us to go even further. He says, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Think about that. We're not only not doing this for the praise of others, we're also not doing it for our own self-congratulation. 
Now, it's easy. It's easy to look at someone who likes to blow their own trumpet and to think to ourselves, <laughs> how sad. I'm so glad I'm not like them. But how often do we stroke our own egos in our own minds? How often do we tell ourselves, no one knows how hard I work. No one knows how much I've sacrificed for this family or for my church. How often do you go down your mental checklist? Make sure you're living up to your own standards, right? With that inward, smug satisfaction as you list to yourself all of your secret accomplishments. I only ask because I'm guilty. How about this? It's not outlandish, but it might be subtle. How often have you tried to elicit sympathy for how hard you work in your ministry, for instance? Maybe you mention how tired you are. <laughs> I'm just tired. Come on, ask me why. <laughs> well, <laughs> since you asked, I was up till like one o'clock last night serving the church, you know. Yeah. And then I had to wake up at 4.30 to do my two-hour devotions. So, I just didn't get any sleep, you know? So, how often have you done that, trying to elicit that sympathy? I've done it. Just this week, in fact, serving the family, I, I so desperately wanted Kathy to say, oh, honey, you, you worked so hard for the family. I, I, would, I, I, would, I would, you know, breathe a little harder. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I, I worked so hard in the backyard. Yeah, I know. Just to hope that she would say something. I, I got poison ivy, and so I, I find myself looking at it when she's around. Like, <laughs> it hurts. But it's true. It's for, I, I crave attention. I crave that appreciation. I crave that. When I'm serving, right? I'm serving the family. Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. He tells us the motive of his disciples. The motive of his disciple is singular in focus. He's so intent on pleasing his father that he doesn't want the distraction that the praise of men can be. So what is the results then of a secret service? The disciple living in the presence of a living God has no thought to themselves. They live to please their heavenly Father, and so they live free of the fear of man. They perform their duties before their Lord, free of apprehension of the thought of what do others think of them. Singular focus, bringing glory to God their Father. And I, I could tell so many examples in the church here of saints who serve in secret, don't care about what others think of them. And if I told you, then it wouldn't be a secret, though. So I can give you an example without names. There's a dear friend of mine who has uh, the gift of uh, a prophetic gifting. And he's told me, and I've seen it in his life, that uh, years ago, he decided not to care what others think. And just obey. If God has given him a prompting to say something to someone or say something to the church, he would step out and obey. 
And I am so thankful for that, that example, um, because they don't fear man. Sometimes the, the words might sound like, well, I don't, I don't think it really applies to me, or I'll have to pray about it. I don't know. And, and the person will be like, okay, that's all right. I, I, I want to walk in faith. Um, and, and, they, and they don't stop. Many times, I can tell you, almost every time, the word is encouraging. And it does apply to me. So I'm so thankful for that. I'm, and I know that's not just, there's ju- not just one person. There are people, many people here, who serve the Lord in secret, who serve the Lord without fear of man. You see, a disciple of Christ can serve and help others without bringing attention to themselves. The church can be unleashed to change the world if she were to break that chain, to break the chains of the fear of man. Let me give you a small way that we can apply this. We can mortify the fear of man through the prophetic ministry. God has gifted our church with the spirit-filled Christians who read his word, sing loud his praises, listen to his voice. He is eager to give good gifts to his bride. And he wants us to eagerly desire them as well in return. So when is the last time you stepped up to the ministry mic during worship? Thank you, Roger. Have you had something to share, but were afraid to come up? Or have you not even given a thought to it, to what God might be saying to his flock because you just don't want to walk up here at the mic? Perhaps you don't want to go there because that would mean exposing yourself to what others might think. Maybe the pastor might even just turn you away. And that would be even worse. People would see you walk back to your seat. Let me just say, I need you. I need, I need to hear what God is saying to you. And what a glorious picture that would be if we had a line (laughs) waiting for the mic. We had a body in tune with the Spirit, free of the fear of man. We could go a little smaller here. You could share your impressions with just an individual. It doesn't have to be up here at the mic, right? I've been personally blessed, like I shared, uh, by brothers and sisters who, shunning the fear of man, obeyed the promptings of the Lord uh, to share a specific prophetic word of encouragement to me, uninitiated. It fed my soul. It would take a measure of swallowing our pride to step out in that way, but what a difference it would make if we did it. And as we look back in our passage, what's the reward? So we've looked at the motive, we've looked at the results of secret service. Now, what's the reward? Jesus promises a great reward. He tells us that God himself sees us. Jesus repeatedly reminds us that secret service is seen by the Father who sees in secret. This is not a remuneration of wages earned. It's not quantifying your service and then he's giving you back what you deserve. No, actually far better than that. God's reward is infinitely disproportionate to what uh, we deserve. It's far more. God's rewards are eternal. His rewards are weighty. They are perfect because he is perfect. 
What is most significant in this, I believe, is that the rewards are from him. It's his approval. It's his approval and his alone that we truly need. When we run for the approval of of others, we're running after the wind. Christ calls us to forget ourselves and live to please our Father in heaven. What's more, when we forget ourselves in our service to the King, the King doesn't forget us. Jesus promises a glorious reward, for it comes from our Father in heaven. No reward from Him will be paltry. So we started this morning remembering that life-altering reality that the disciple of Christ lives his life always realizing that he's in the presence of God. To an unbeliever, this could be a terrifying prospect. But to a Christian, a disciple of Christ, there's actually no better place to be. God is always with us, and he sees us for who we truly are, true, warts and all, God's love drives out that fear. It drives out the fear of rejection. It drives out the fear of condemnation. It drives out that fear of what others might think of us. God's love is perfect, and it drives out fear. God's love displayed on the cross covers our sin with the blood of the Lamb. Let me read you another quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. He writes, we shall never get rid of self by concentrating on self. The only hope is to be so consumed by love that we have no time to think about ourselves. In other words, if we want to implement this teaching, we must look at Christ dying on Calvary's hill. Think of his life and all he endured and suffered. As we look at him, realize what he has done for us. The gospel frees us to serve in secret. The gospel tells us we don't need to fear that which is most dreadful, most dreadful, and that's the rejection of God, not men. On the cross, the Son was forsaken by the Father so that we don't have to be forsaken. And if we're forgiven by the Father, how can we spend even one minute Worrying about what others think of us. And on a final note, Jesus did not throw words to the wind. He chose his words carefully. He's perfect. And there's a reason why he called God our Father several times in today's teaching. In fact, he says it a dozen times, I think, in the chapter alone. He's reminding us that the life of a disciple is a father-son relationship, a father-daughter relationship. He's our father, always looking on us with love bursting from his heart, and he sees us. He sees the countless hours of service. He sees the sacrifice. He sees the sacrifices made for our loved ones, for others, the giving, the self-sacrifice. He recognizes our efforts. He doesn't just look our way to notice us. 
He sees. He knows. He's pleased. And I believe that is a word for many of us here. Many of us here might be feeling convicted, perhaps, or maybe have those thoughts of, does anyone notice? Does anyone see me? Jesus is saying, your Father, Father in heaven, he does. He sees you. The hypocrites that Jesus warned us against, like the Pharisees, for instance, they didn't see God as their Father. They actually saw him and taught about him more like he was a slave driver. So do you want your reward from a slave driver, from a father? Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, God, thank you for your word. It is searching. It is convicting. We all seek our own glory in so many ways. I have done it so many times already this week. How do you free us from that? Thank you. We thank you that you are our Father. We thank you that you see us. We thank you, God, that you know of our service and that you reward us. God, I pray that you would let your words sink in our hearts. Let it change us from within. That we might serve in secret, but we might serve for the right motive pleasing you, bringing you glory. May we forget ourselves, Father God, in light of your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name.